Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Up next on Inside the SCCA Enduro and Pro Racing with Eric Prill. Our guest today has been part of the SCCA his whole life. He had a national timing and scoring license at age 12. From there, he crewed for his dad on the family Lotus Super 7. He transitioned from crew to driver in 1995 when MS forced his dad to stop driving. He's a two-time runoffs champion, finished on the podium seven times, so he knows what to do with the steering wheel. He's also made racing his profession, first as the PR guy for SCCA Pro Racing, then for World Challenge. In 2014, he was tasked with leading SCCA operations department, including road racing, rally, and solo. This year now, his focus has shifted completely to road racing on the club side and overseeing the club's new partnership for pro racing with Pirelli Motorsports Holdings. My guest this week, Eric Prill. Good morning, bright and early. Bright. Uh, I, I wouldn't say bright. It's uh, gray and cloudy here in Topeka, Kansas, but uh uh, I've got the I've got the lights shining in the office here, so good to well, talk to you. It's dark in Los Angeles, literally. <laughs> the sun has yet to to, to come up. Um, this is my favorite time, though. We're going to talk endurance racing, and I know there are no twenty four hour races on the endurance plan yet for the SCCA's new enduro program. I'm hoping that maybe that'll be in the future. Uh, but my favorite time of an enduro of an, of a twenty four hour enduro is from darkness to sun, sunrise. It is the coolest thing in the world to be in a race car when the sun comes up. But uh, we'll talk about endurance racing a little bit. Let's, though, start with pro racing. Eric is the vice president of road racing operations for, for, for the SECA. The club made a big announcement last week, I believe it was, that uh, there is a new partnership started. Actually, it's been around for a while. It's just changing a bit, right, with Pirelli Motorsports Holdings? Yeah, it's just expanded. It's, okay. it's expanding. So, so, uh, so what does that mean? Well, let's, let's go global. Let's look big picture. And then we'll kind of, we'll kind of drill down into it. So what, what does the expanding partnership mean for the club? Well, it, and I'll just I'll back up a little bit and explain what PMH has been doing with related to SCCA over the last several years. Um, Trans Am um, had been managed by an outside group and owners group. Um, Tony Perella became the controlling interest in that, um, uh, brought it in with his, Tony Perella owns the SVRA. So he brought that into his SVRA uh, speed, speed tour weekends um, to kind of expand that concept. Um, but that's an SCCA brand, uh, will always be an SCCA brand, whether it's the racing series or the, uh, or the automobile. Um, so we've had a, a licensing arrangement and a sanctioning arrangement with PMH on that. Uh, last year, PMH took over um, the managing rights to the, sort of the commercial rights, basically to the F4 and FR series, which are the open wheel series um, that SCCA has contracted through the FIA. 
to have the rights for in, in the United States and North America. So um, they took that on. Um, and the new announcement is essentially that uh, all pro racing series operations uh, and management has now moved out of um, out of the SECA's direct oversight, and that is now uh, licensed through an agreement to Pirelli Motorsports Holdings. Um, so, what does that mean? Um, does it mean that SECA is out of the pro racing game? The SECA pro racing name will still be around. Um, that that will still be the the sanctioning body uh, for those events. Uh, however. All of the management, all of the operations, all of the commercial aspect side of it um, is now on the with, with Pirelli Motorsports Holdings uh, through our agreement with them. Um, that is uh, that is good for them. They have uh, a lot of partners, and uh, they have a portfolio of, of event types and series that they can put together in their um, speed tour concept. Uh, that includes vintage racing and Trans Am, as I mentioned before, and now F F four and F R. Um, but they've also got uh, partnerships that <clears throat> where you can spread those partnerships, and, and uh, there's a lot of synergy across uh, the things that they can do with additional professional racing series. What it does for the SCCA is it's, it it takes us out of a financial position where we could take more losses more financial losses. And I don't think it's a secret to any SECA member. If you've been paying attention to the financials that are released each year, um, pro racing has been, uh, has been a drain on the organization. Uh, nobody set out to lose money uh, doing uh, certain activities, but um, they did not pan out. And uh, we had certain contractual obligations that, that meant uh, that those activities needed to continue. Um, but this is a, uh, as we've wrapped those up, this is a good way to transition this into something that can be a positive for the club. Um, you know, I, I've always contended that pro racing um, needs to do one of two things. It either needs to generate a, a lot of money for the club, or it needs to um, at least generate some and provide some sort of um, exposure for the organization that it couldn't, couldn't already get with, uh, through its activities, through its amateur activities. And, and I think we're, uh, we're now set up and positioned to where uh, it can do things to benefit the club, where I think it could be argued that, that uh, it was not, it was not helping over the last five, five or so years. Right. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's no secret that uh, pro racing has been a bone of contention for members for as long as I've been a member and for for many years before that. And, you know, some some members are are loud in expressing their discontent with how things have gone and and for good reason in, in many cases. But I also think that, you know, there's some perspective that is important when you start having these conversations. You know, we have a club that's operated by a board of members, board of directors who are elected by the members. Uh, these folks are not making a tremendous amount of money doing this. You know, this isn't getting any, any of them rich. Yeah, they're not um, making any, they're not making any money <laughs> that well, I, I was going to get to that next. They, they really, they, they get paid expenses sometimes to go to things, but I don't think they're actually taking a salary, right? There's no, no. 
There's no salary for our board of members, our board of directors. Uh, th- it has my always been my contention that the board of directors take the job with the club's best interest at heart. And but they do have a tough job to make decisions that have to do with a tremendous amount of money and club resources. So, you know, I, it's not unreasonable to hold their feet to the fire just because they're 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 volunteer boards of board of directors. That said, you know, the, the club racing has lost in many years a lot of money Uh most club members don't don't directly benefit from club from pro racing. Most club members will never drive in a pro racing series. So it makes a lot of people ask, why are we even doing pro racing in the first place? And I've heard that the answer you gave, because it's a way to be involved and get some focus on the club that it might not always get. And that makes sense to me. There's also a little bit of a background that I don't think a lot of people understand how the club works or is what the, the, the clubs roll in on things like the FIA stuff, because the SECA is the designated by by the FIA or ACUS, right, as the, the organization that sanctions any FIA event here in the U.S., correct? Yeah, that um, yes and no. Okay. So, so the SCCA is a member of ACUS, the auto, uh, auto car clubs, automobile car clubs of the U.S. Uh, that is the FIA delegate, right. um, or what they call the ASN uh, for the United States. That includes. So, I'm I'm one of the ACUS delegates. Mike Cobb, the CEO, is uh, is the other ACUS delegate uh, on behalf of SCCA. Um, that is a group of people that includes NASCAR, IndyCar. IMSA, uh, USAC, and NHRA and SCCA. So we are the we are the body to the FIA for motorsports in the United States. Um, when you when you listen to the list that I just read off, we're in a unique position. The club is. Um, some of those are clubs. NHRA is a club. Um, NHRA primarily known for its professional motorsports activities. Um, we at times have been known for our professional motorsports activities, right. but at the same level as those other organizations, it's been it's been quite some time. Um, that's not really our our sandbox. We're the membership organization. We're the we're the group that trains a lot of people uh, to potentially aspire to go up and participate in some of those other things. Uh, we we support uh, we serve a lot of supporting functions to those other organizations. That's that's really where SCCA's position is within the professional motorsports landscape in the United States. It's a good position for us to be in. Um, it's it's good to um, be able to interact with those organizations. We've got a formal um, agreement with IMSA right now. Uh, where we're working with them, where they have a lot of marketing power and a lot of reach with their fan base um, to uh, work toward converting enthusiasts into potential participants through SCCA. So that's how that's work. that works, whether they want to be drivers or crew members or volunteers at some point, or they just want to be part of a club. Um, so those are really the things that are a great benefit to the club with our relationship with ACUS. We also have 
a great access to resources, um, to specialties and volunteers, so that when Formula One comes or the FIA Formula E series comes or the McLaren series that just came a couple of weeks ago or the Creventic series, those are all FIA um, international series that come that need that need support. So those are things that um, that will right. continue to work with them to support. Um, those are things that don't um, cost the club money. They actually make the club a little bit of money. Um, and and it's uh, it's something that we can do that we're certainly good at, and we're going to continue to to do those things. I think the the general concern. I I don't think anybody would say, oh, we we don't want to, you know, club pro racing in general and being involved with it is a bad thing. I think the biggest issue that club members have had in in my time is that it feels like in many cases there's been little benefit to the club member with an extreme hemorrhaging of money for some of these programs. Uh, And I've seen on the financials at times, it's been in excess of seven figures in some years. And as a club member, it's, it's interesting to see, you know, we, there's a lot of discussions about all the things that the club, you know, people want to see the club do things like, you know, having live streaming video at events, for instance, and the answer that we always get, and it's a good answer because I'm a TV guy. So I know how expensive doing video properly is, is it's a lot of money. And then you go and see the financials and see that the club's lost, you know, a ton of money on pro racing that maybe could have spent to do live streaming, for instance. So let's address, if we can, this idea of of money that's been spent that's 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 not made money. And how does because I always want to look forward. There's not a whole lot I can do to fix the past in many cases. So how does this partnership with PMH, you know, kind of address this idea of what in many years have been pretty big losses for SECA when it comes to pro racing. Sure. So let's, let's talk about the losses and where the money comes from uh, first, because um, I think that there's a, a, a perception out there that uh, because one part of the business is losing money, that means we've got to jack the rates up on another part of the business. Basically what, what the losses have done is it's, it's depleted our reserves. Um, businesses, I think anybody that that has a business, anybody that has a, a personal savings account, you want to have that that cushion. Uh, you want to have that reserve. And we're a company of a certain size, um, you know, that that has a certain level of revenue each year. Um, and I'm just talking about the SECA Inc., the, the parent company. This that doesn't include you know our 116 regions and and, right. and their finances, but just this company. Um, had a level of reserves. Uh, so, so when a company loses money, um, the, the, the hit comes out of the reserves. So, sure. so we're basically, you're, you're in a, in a sense, draining your savings account and um, or, or going and tapping into your savings account and paying or your investment account. Um, so, you know, on some respect, uh, was it limiting on things we could do? on the club side. So they're operated as separate businesses. I wouldn't say it was necessarily limiting us, but what it was doing was it was putting us in a position where on a rainy day, if we needed that money, a la if you go into a pandemic, 
<laughs> and you don't have and, events. And, that's never gonna, and, you, and we're never going to have to deal with a pandemic. Never. It's all, you know, crazy talk. We think about, oh, what would happen? We're just speaking hypothetical. Hypothetical. Right, here, right. Hypothetical. You know, so that's, you know, we, let's let's find a different hypothetical. No, <laughs> so but but you get into a situation like that or, or if there was some legal matter or um, if there was if there was a significant capital investment that the company wanted to to buy that it needed cash on hand, things like that. That's, that's what it hurt. You know, it hurt the reserves. It hurt the savings account. Um, it never got to the point where we had to come and tap into the members to try and pay for those losses. Um, uh, those of us on the ink side, and, and, and I will say this, I have not been intimately involved in the, in the comings and goings of pro racing since probably 2005 or 2008. Um, sure. so I'm, I, I know a little bit, so just like any other member, I don't want to, I don't want to say too much, much and pontificate about, about how things could have and should have been done. Sure. But, uh, the reality is the, the, the losses were covered by reserves. Um, it did deplete a lot of the reserves. It didn't take us down to nothing. Um, sure. but, but you know, uh, it, it put us in a challenging situation when, that had been going on. And then all of a sudden we had COVID that hit. Um, right. So we had to, we, you know, certainly had to manage our business very actively and ad, in an agile fashion uh, in 2020 uh, in order to make sure that the club could, could be sustainable. And, right. and part of that was, you know, looking at the reserves and recognizing that we didn't have what we once had there. Um, right. But in the end, we came out on the other side but it really set the table. And, the, and this has been, I think this has been in motion and, and you know, really kudos to, to Mike Cobb, uh, the current CEO of SCCA Inc. And he's also the, he was made um, the sole board member of SCCA Ventures. That Ventures right. is, the, is a subsidiary that, um, that owns and operates pro racing and uh, enterprises. And, you know, Mike looked at that, business model along with, with some of the board leadership right now. And, uh, and they really charted the path and the course so that PMH, which is in a, in a far better position to operate a professional racing series uh, than the club is, um, you know, you have to have resources, you have to have, um, you have to have supporters that are interested in that, in that type of business. We have a lot of supporters that are interested in our, in our core type of business Our core type of business is amateur motorsports. So right. it's really what it allows us to do now. It, it, we, we no longer have to um, spend a lot of bandwidth um, resources on operating SCCA pro racing. We can focus that energy back toward the club. And right. I think that that's, you know, I, I think that if there's any takeaway for a member, um, aside from, you know, maybe still wanting to look back at the past and figure out why things happened, um, you know, there's probably not a ton of benefit in that. Um, just understand that we're headed in the right direction. And having been a guy that started with pro race, I saw that business. I knew how it, how it worked, how tenuous it was. I was on world challenge when we real, when the, when SECA pro racing, the, club owned and managed version um, was getting to a point where it was either sink or swim on world challenge. And uh, you know, we, we basically sold the rights to uh, an owner's group 
WC Vision, which is now, you know, transitioned and now that's with the SRO. But right. but that was that was the first time we looked at that and said, you know what, we're we really aren't in a position. It's not the operating of a series. We can do that. That's that's within our expertise wheelhouse. We can operate series, we can be hired to help people to do that. It's the it's it's being the promoter that right. requires pretty deep pockets, pretty dedicated resources uh, to focus on, on generating partnership dollars and, um, <clears throat> you know, being a, a player on that stage. And what the club right. is set up for is doing things that benefit the general membership. Right. So I, I think there's a couple of things that people need to understand or think about. I don't want to ever tell anyone that you need to understand something that is very pretentious on my part, but there's a couple of things to, to, to worth thinking about. Uh, I've always, first of all, the SECA has a structure problem, and I felt this way for years. It is a club, which means it's responsible to its members, but it's a business. And that is a horrible dynamic from a business standpoint, you know, and, and no right. I look at the people who like the Mike Cobbs, the people who've chosen to become the head of this organization. That is a job that is the maybe the worst job in the world because you don't have control of everything because you're a club and you can't operate like a business, but you have to operate like a business because you are a business. It's just, it's a very odd dynamic and, and it's a very difficult dance to do. I also would remind folks or let ask folks to think about the fact that, um, you know, I always thought of pro racing recently as, man, if we could just break even, you know, there's benefits for the club. We just don't want to hemorrhage money and, and a break even proposition. You said you want the club to make some money and that kind of thing, or make lots of money for the pro racing, I should say. But I, I had always thought if we could just get pro racing to break even, then it would be worth keeping and doing. But the last thing is, is you talked about promoting races and how difficult that is. People should also think about how not long ago IndyCar racing was on its deathbed. And that's this, you know, the top notch of North American, you know, motorsports. And they were having a hard time figuring out how to promote their races and make any money. You know, FIA has Formula One. That's their juggernaut. But F2, F3, a lot of these other races, they're not making a lot of money on these races. Those are break even or loss leader propositions for the FIA as well. They're there because they're part of the program and they need to to bring people up through the ranks. Uh, But a lot of those are not huge profit spaces. So, so running pro racing at any level is not an easy thing for anybody to do. And, and, you know, I, I don't like to dwell on the past, but it's important for us to learn from our past. And it sounds like hopefully this move to Perella is an idea that we looked at what happened in the past. It didn't work. It wasn't working. And here is a way to move things forward and hopefully fix all those money problems. Am I kind of on the right page? You're, you're on exactly the right page. Exactly. It, it is pro racing is such a fickle business. It's um, and when you're, when you're dealing with, let's, let's call them second tier series, you know, First tier, we'll call first tier series. Those are the ones you're seeing on network TV. Right. Second tier series are are paying. If they're on TV, they're paying lots of money to do that. 
um, <clears throat> they're paying for track time on events. Um, it, it, they're, they're your ladder series. They're your second right. tier um, sports car series. Those are, those are the hardest to manage because it's really a step above club racing. You know, most of the money is in the paddock and um, your partners are things are, 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 are programs and sponsors that people can bring in that are in the paddock. They're extensions of, of what somebody knows. And, you know, when I was, <clears throat> when I was working on sponsorship for world challenge back in the, in the old speed vision world challenge and speed world challenge days, that's where a lot of the partnerships came from. It was somebody had somebody on the hook for, to do something on their car. And they said, Hey, they're looking for something more. And we put together a package to, to get them involved in the series. And that still happens at the higher levels, but you know, you're talking about a million bucks to, to operate a second tier series. That's a lot of partnerships to bring in when you don't have a lot of eyeballs, you know, it, it, right. you've got to find somebody that's not interested necessarily in a true marketing return on investment, eyeballs, television ratings, things like that. Um, and those are tough to come by, which is why the, <clears throat> the groups that have one of those top tier series can have the second tier series because they need to fill their weekends out. Right. But they're not making tons of money on those, you know, the, if they're making money at all. <clears throat> Exactly. You know, um, the, the idea that for IndyCar, Indy Lights is a loss leader. You know, I, I don't think and, and IndyCar doesn't even operate Indy Lights. You know, they've oh, actually, I think they just brought Indy they Lights brought back, back in. to IndyCar. Yeah. Uh, but for years, they had uh, Anderson promotions running IndyCar or Indy Lights because I don't think they were making any money on it, you know, and, and Anderson loved that program and wanted to put the time and effort behind it. And I don't think Anderson made a lot of money on any lights either. So it's just a tough situation. So, all right. I, I think we've, I'm sure I'm going to get crap for not asking enough questions and not, and not digging deep enough, but, uh, and, and that's fine. I, I think we've, we've been open and honest and I appreciate your candor with what we've talked about. Let's look forward. So now that this partnership has happened, what does pro racing oh, actually one more thing before we go uh, a, a lot of times. And I think this is a lot of what's being dealt with now. There's contracts that are signed that are felt to be good when they're signed and they might turn out to not be so good. And, but, but you have to honor those contracts, you know? So how much of, how much of what's being dealt with now are getting through what, let's not even call them bad contracts, just the present contracts to get us on the other side of those so that uh, even more smarter decisions can be made on how to take these pro series going forward. How much of that is what's being dealt with at the moment? Well, I, I think we've passed that point. Um, okay. that, that was, that was the challenge of the last several years was, okay. was having agreements that we had to honor. I mean, we're, if we want to stay in this business, in this industry, we have to honor those, those agreements. Um, we worked, we obviously worked with partners and, and I think everybody understood the situation that, that those series were in. Um, those agreements are now held. They're not held by SCCA anymore. So our, our SCCA is involved in the F4 FR series because we are an ACUS delegate. 
Um, so we have, we have an agreement with the FIA. Um, SCCA Pro Racing is the sanctioning body for that. Um, and Pirelli Motorsports Holdings is operating that series on, um, on SCCA Pro Racing's behalf. So, um, you know, I, 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 th- I can't stress enough that we are, we are in a position with Pro Racing that we've never been. Um, which is we have some licensing agreements that will benefit the club. Um, it's not going to make the club rich, but it's, it's going to benefit, going to benefit the club. Uh, and we have opportunities with, with the international events that come over to support them and provide services and be involved in those, uh, to have the club involved on a world stage. Um, and those are good opportunities for us. Those are, you know, those are, you know, uh, things that are going to be financially neutral or positive for us uh, and also keep us involved in, in motorsports on a higher stage. Got it. Got it. You know, I know that there are people out there would just like the club to just get out of pro racing altogether. I'm not one of those people. I think there's benefit to it. Uh, but I do think that it's smart that the idea should be to at least stop losing money on it. And, I, you know, no, no one's we all any, agree. <laughs> you know, no, no, nobody gets into any any plan like I want to start pro racing because I want to lose money. That's never been anybody's motivation or idea, you know, and, and every once in a while it's a yin and a yang and you may lose a little bit of money here and there. But I think the club members would generally be happy if they didn't see a big old red splotch on the financials at the end of every year when it comes to pro racing. And and I think that, you know, it sounds like that's the motivation for what's been happening here with this new deal. So uh, so so let's look at what does pro racing look like from an outside all the nuts and bolts behind the money thing. What does pro racing look like in the next year or two with, with PMH holding with PMH doing the work? What does pro racing look like to the world outside of SCCA for the next couple of years? Well, for 2022, I know that, you know, obviously the Trans Am series is, is a big component of that um, F4 uh, U S championship um, formula regional Americas FR. Uh, those are, very key components that PMH manages and operates. There are some outside managed series um, that have been with pro racing that I know are in discussions with PMH to run under the pro racing banner. Um, I, I'm, I'm not privy to where they are in those conversations. I know that they're happening. Um, so really it, it won't look terribly different next year there will still be cars that have the SCCA pro racing logo on them. Um, there is still benefit to the club. There is no commitment to the club to need to cover expenses on anything on those things. Um, we will continue to, uh, support PMH by processing, uh, by doing some back office things, processing licenses for SCCA pro racing series. But the reality is, those are, those are series licenses. They may say SEC pro racing, but that's a series license. That would be a license to drive a trans amp or or whatever. So there, in many respects, it's not going to look very different. Um, except when you get down, you know, more on the back end business side. Um, but what it get, what it offers PMH is it gets us the club out of being the middleman on some things. Um, so they, 
they had come to us and said, okay, we need to, we need to operate events. Um, you guys handle the staffing. So, so we, Sydney, Sydney Eagle, who has been the GM of pro racing, who's now moving right. over to PMH um, to essentially do the same thing. Uh, she was at pro racing. She would work on staffing and put people in place. And um, so we were in this middleman position with them on that. So a, a lot of the tide had already turned on the financial stuff. Um, as I said, PMH, Tony Perella um, is, is in a far better position to operate a commer the commercial side of a series like that than the club is. Um, so uh, that, that, that was of great benefit to us, plus for us to, to, to continue to be involved in those series. Um, that is important on a, on a global scale. Um, but not to have the level of risk that we had been putting the, the SCCA Inc., the organization at. Right. I want to make just a couple of quick final points before we take a break. And when we come back from that break, we're going to talk about the new Enduro series. A couple of final points. Uh, I, I want to take our regions at task. Okay, because there is an opportunity and there's been an opportunity for decades. And I've always shook my head, scratched my head, asked why we don't do this. And the answer is, well, we have a hard enough time getting volunteers to do our races. We don't have time. We don't want to ask any more of our people. But these pro races happen at oftentimes some of the elite events in the motorsports world in North America. You know, a lot of times they're paired with IMSA. Sometimes they're paired with IndyCar. We've, we lose an opportunity at every single one of those events if the club doesn't show up and put a booth up or take a little spot in the paddock, put a couple of club racing cars and get the thousands of people that come to these events and walking through the paddock to see that the, the, the club behind that's doing this event has a place for them to be involved. You know, I go to the Long Beach Grand Prix every year, which used to have an, a, a world challenger race, race with it every year. Nowhere in that paddock. And there's a beautiful in, in the convention center. They have a whole walkthrough thing. Nowhere in the paddock is any is, is a mention of the SECA club where the people who are there expectating could become involved in the sport. We, we've lost opportunities time and time again where we could find a way to benefit from our involvement in pro racing to, to help benefit actual club members. That's my first point. And if any club management, you know, regional management people are listening, think about that. These happen in your backyard. You're sending your people there to go work these events because and, and that's going to be my next point. Take advantage of these opportunities to help bring more people to our club. They're there for the taking. And I, I guarantee you, if you ask the right people and you ask the right questions, they're going to find a little spot for you to be able to do that. Point number one. Point number two, back in the day, the number one excitement, the number one pro series, the number one spectator series in this country was Can-Am and Trans-Am. And, and SEC has had involvement in all of that. Trans Am has had a dark spot, but Trans Am is coming back with a vengeance. And that's something we should be celebrating because those are, that's like the direct lineage to our club. And right now, Trans Am is as popular as it's ever been. How, how did, how, you know, how do we get there, Eric? How do we, how do we capitalize off of Trans Am's Success well, right first now? of all, we should be celebrating oh, the success. Absolutely. TA2. Absolutely. TA2 has, I think they had 52 or something TA2 cars at the finale at Coda. 
Um, and that's just, I mean, that's incredible, right? Right. I mean, that's, that's thrilling. And the TA two cars are, the TA one cars are just unbelievable machines. Um, but the TA two cars, I mean, they make the right sounds. They're fast and they race tight together. They race really close. Um, it's, it really is, they've hit on the right formula there. And right. uh, it is something that, that Trans Am should be proud of, that the club should be proud of. You know, we do have some crossover into the club with that um, on, the, on the road racing side. But, uh, no, I agree. Uh, Trans Am's doing a, a fantastic job, and, and it's quite a spectacle. And they've got, they've got drivers in there, too. Right. I mean, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not just, uh, uh, you, you know, your local club racers showing up to when the big show comes to town. They're doing that, but they've right. got, uh, you know, Rafa Matos drove IndyCars. And, you know, they, they've, they've got some big names in there. It's, it's pretty yeah. exciting. Chris Dyson. Yep. You know, so so I think the, the the hope should be that we find a way as a club to take advantage of that success, even though it's no longer, uh, you know, all these changes have been made. We should still be working together. And I'm guessing that's part of what you're doing to help find a way to capitalize that and actually benefit club members. My last point, there's a reason why the FIA looks to the SCCA to sanction all of their stuff. And this is something that our club members should be proud of and should think about. The reason the FEA partners with the SCCA to do this is because, and I know I have friends who race with other series, and I'm going to get crap for this too. I'm good at this. There's no one better in this country to help staff and run these events than the Sports Car Club of America. Plain and simple. You know, we train our people exceptionally well. We get our people to show up and do these things and, and we're not paying them to do it either, which has always been remarkable to me. You know, the FIA partners with the SCCA, if the SCCA didn't do it well, they'd find someone else to do it, you know, and the reason that they come to the SCCA is because we have the best volunteer trained worker force in North America, period. And that's a that's a feather in the SCCA's clap. It's, it's not making us any money, but, you know, but, you know, it, it's really why this whole system has been created for a lot of these things. Right. Yeah. And it and it actually there is there is a little bit of financial benefit sure. to it. I mean, it's not it's not going to make the club rich, but right. um, it to, to put those things together to arrange that, you know, they're you know, there is that opportunity, just, just the same as if a region uh, does a contract with a pro series that comes to town Mm -hmm. um, to support them, you know, there's, there's some financial benefit or there's some trade there that happens. So um, yeah, no, absolutely agree with you. Uh, Formula One is a slightly different animal, uh, animal, they, uh, there's a group called US Race Management, which is kind of a collaborative effort of all the clubs so that one individual club doesn't, end up taking on uh, either the benefit or the burden of a formula one race. Um, But it's a bit of a collaborative effort, but, uh, but yeah, things like the FIA, uh, FE, the, the the electric series world championship that's been coming to, uh, to Brooklyn the last few years, that's been, uh, you know, operated and sanctioned by SCCA pro racing. Um, and as I mentioned, the, the McLaren series that was here at the end of the year, the Cremantic 24 hour that was at Sebring a couple of weeks ago, um, uh, you know, they, <laughs> they had their, uh, they had their boats coming across and they got held up in port 
uh, shocking, I know, given everything right. that's going on in the world. And um, I think the race was supposed to start at noon and the ships didn't arrive until like two o'clock and they started the race by five. They, they basically unloaded the, the containers, uh, put some tires and some fuel in the cars and just put them out on the track and started a 24 hour race. So it was almost like, uh, like some of the Enduros uh, that we have in the States now, the amateur level Enduros where there's no qualifying, just to, just throw everybody out on the track and let's just wave the green flag and go. Right. Um, right. But, uh, you know, so it just shows, uh, we, we're still in an environment that even at the highest levels of, of pro competition, um, sometimes it's, you know, w- whatever you can do is right. And, uh, Got it. So it's good stuff. Good stuff. So we're 40 minutes into this episode and we haven't even touched on the Enduro series yet. I like to keep these under an hour. So what we're going to do is I'm going to split this up into two episodes, drop them both on the same day. So they're all in the same week. But in case people don't want to listen to a full hour and whatever this ends up taking, we'll we'll end this episode here and then we'll pick up and take the second half of this discussion and we'll put it into a complete different episode. So that's going to do it for this episode of Inside the SCCA. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe to the Racing Wire Podcast Network so you won't miss any episodes. would also be great if you leave a comment, especially if it's a good one. If it's a bad one, leave it on someone else's page. No, just kidding. You can follow us on social media, find out who our next guest is, and leave a question on Twitter. It's at RacingWire.net. You can also keep an eye out on the official SCCA Facebook page. We do post there on a regular basis. That's this episode of Inside the SCCA. Have yourself a great week, and go play with cars. Inside the SCCA is a presentation of the Racing Wire Podcast Network and Rural 15 Productions. This podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, or sponsored by the Sports Car Club of America. The views expressed within are those of the host and our guests and not that of the SCCA.